Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Renee Sherwinski, a licensed mental health counselor with Pacific Medical Centers. According to the Washington Nurses Association, roughly 45 million people in the U.S. suffer from mental illness, and at least 10 million of these people suffer from serious mental illness. With the importance of these stats in mind, PacMed is launching a campaign that highlights the importance of identifying and treating mental health issues. And remembering the comments of Kevin Hines on the need to have good mental health care, we're now going to get some insights about what is happening right here in our community. Renee Sherwinski, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thank you very much for inviting me. I am really grateful to have you with us and here to shed some really critical light and information about this whole major issue we have in our society that focuses around mental illness, which really, I would dare say, is at a critical level right now. And sometimes it feels like we're still ignoring it when it is this this huge well, I think that when we ignore it, it's more about that people don't know the right questions to ask or they're afraid to ask the questions um, and then what to do after that point. So, so one of the most urgent yeah. things is is asking the question, do you feel um, like killing yourself or committing suicide and being specific with it? And so... That then is very direct. So a direct approach is obviously very important here. Absolutely. Because if we ask if they're just afraid of hurting themselves, kids have a way of not being truthful. And this is it. With kids, this suicide and suicide attempts have really is skyrocketed. The numbers are astronomical. And starting at this young age, it's getting younger and younger. So I feel it's important for us to to really be aware of this happening and what we look for and how we're going to help our kids. Absolutely. And the things to look for um, are things that we would normally see sometimes in teens and we kind of brush off, but we have to pay attention to our teens and what's normal for them. So it starts with having... It starts with kind of withdrawing maybe from friends or unusual behaviors in such like if they're always going out and no longer interested in going out and doing things. Um, so withdrawal from like a social circle, whether it's sports or clubs at school or even just friends. Um, and then kind of seeing that they're more isolated from everybody, um, in- including family, like not wanting to do things eat with the family, noticing any change in any kind of hygiene, um, whether it's somebody that used to dress nice for school and now they're always kind of dressing in sweatpants and um, pajamas, which teens do to go to school. But if it's an unusual behavior, it's something to look for. Yes. So look for the unusual is, is really important here. Right. Right. And and even things of, of changing of grades, um, feelings that you can hear in some conversations of kind of a worthlessness or a helplessness, like nothing's going to change. Because it's the feeling of being stuck in something that is never going to feel better um, that leads to more behaviors. So 
it's important to obviously have a, a relationship with our kids so that we can have these conversations, but it, that can also feel really overwhelming. And there seems to be an age where they just want to shut down or shut away. Is Would you say that's normal or is that a, a, an era, a time when we reach out and get some professional help on our side? I think it's, it's both. It's normal. And then we may need to reach out. And so it is a fine line of knowing, is this normal teen behavior or does my child have something more serious? Um, and if we look at it around the age 13, 14, 15, depending on maturity and other things, um, they do start to withdraw from their parents and want some more alone time and don't want to share information. And, and there is some normalcy in that. Um, but it's watching so that all the other things that they're doing remain the same. But if everything has changed and now they're withdrawn and kind of isolating in their room and there's nobody they're talking to, um, it's, it's time to, you know, approach it with a concern. And even letting your child know if they feel uncomfortable talking to you, is there somebody that they could talk to, any adult, whether it's a physician, a teacher, a counselor at school, or even a friend's parent. So, yes, be armed with all this awareness, which is why we want to highlight this and and bring it out in the open so we can kind of create our own toolkit, so to speak, and and know where to reach for support and help. Absolutely, absolutely. And when we do hear of suicides um, in the schools in the area, ask your team kind of the question of, have you ever felt like that? And I think we get surprised by how many teens answer, yes, they have, but they've never said anything. And so to get them talking about it is definitely an important step, isn't it? Yes, it is. Even if it's just hearing them say, I'm okay, I don't want to talk about it, giving them the awareness to say, you know, I'm here or somebody is here that you can open up to. And there's the critical thing. Are there, do we have enough of that kind of support for teens to have someone to reach out and speak to? I'm thinking in in schools, uh, I don't know what the ratio would be in terms of counselors to kids. Maybe having someone, a professional like yourself, as a licensed mental health counselor that is is available that parents know you exist this this kind of help is here it's important to get this out in the open as well it is and and i think most schools unfortunately don't have enough staff for the mental health issues um, the ratios are, are extremely high um, and in some schools even share those resources between schools um, there are a number of schools that that can be proactive and have been and have counselors come in and do talks on a number of issues, which can be very helpful. Um, But the funding, unfortunately, for mental health counselors in the school to provide good services, it's just not there yet. So that's why we need to look outside of the the school, and we're not condemning that. It's just there's so much about budgets and costs and and that sort of thing. Stuff we can't control, absolutely. But there are services available in the community. There are a number of youth services. Um, Pacific Medical Center itself has counselors in a number of their clinics um, that offers great hours and services. 
and the physicians um, during regular visits do depression screenings to, to see how everyone's doing when they come in. Well, that is certainly a, a very positive step that the, that obviously they recognize the level of mental health issues that we have so that they're screening for that or being aware of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it works really well in that once they screen, they are allowed to kind of um, send over an immediate referral to let our uh, intake department know that somebody needs to make an appointment and we do our best to get them in as quickly as possible. And the more urgent, you know, we'll get them in sooner. Which is really very, very heartening and, and positive. So with Pacific Medical Centers, there actually is an arm that is focused on mental health care. Yes, we have a behavioral health um, division, and there are a number of counselors and psychiatrists. Um, many see um, children and youth and then the physicians also do the follow-up care. So it looks, it's kind of this comprehensive approach where you have both the mental health care as well as the physical care, and you're working as a team. We collaborate very well together. We keep communication open. Uh, it's easy to get to be able to talk to each other and find out what's happening, especially when the youth um, is seeing somebody on a regular basis. A therapist can let a, a physician know this is what's happening when I'm seeing, you know, have you seen this or noticed this or have you heard anything different? So let's mention the website where people can really go to and find more information about Pacific Medical Centers. So it's www.pacmed.org. And if you go ahead and go in there and you can see the big website, you can click on um, providers and departments and information, and then behavioral health will come up, and you can look at the providers. A number of us have videos up there. Um, there's information about each provider, where they're located, and their specialties. And location is certainly um, a factor, and you are spread throughout the Puget Sound area, correct? We have um, locations all the way from Renton, all the way up to Linwood, and then kind of in between, and also a number in Seattle. So great to know that all of those resources are available. And so it's so critical because we know the the suicides are arising, and and I was just hearing on the news recently it's it's starting younger and younger with uh, adult, like around age 10 which seems incomprehensible to me to to have this is feels like a young child why they would want to be ending their life what is going on with that i think with the rise in social media and the things that we've seen in the past um, as far as relationships among children and the normal growth of experiences of teasing behaviors, bullying behaviors, and all that, it's worse with all the availability of both online and cell phones and that, that parents can't always witness and be aware of what's happening behind the scenes. And kids as young as 10 have social medias and phones and, and ways to access things. Well, they, they certainly have phones and a, I, I was thinking that, like, with Facebook, there's an age limit, but perhaps there's uh, a, another social media that they, that younger kids use. There are different social medias for the younger kids that, that have um, different 
privacy um, things in there, but like everything that kind of comes up, I believe a parent needs to kind of just really verify with their child um, what they're looking at, what's on their phone, if they are um, on one of these other social media accounts. Um, I, I advocate for having a password um, for their child and knowing it so they can check the information, especially at a very young age. Right. So it, I, we have to realize we're the parent and we have this control that the, the child, the kid might be pushing back and say that they don't want you to be doing this, but you're the one in charge. We have to take charge, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is one of those things that remind them it's better for them to be angry at you and to be here and present than for you not to know and something happen and then you're devastated by something that we had no information about. So in your practice, Renee, with um, you do see a lot of youth, do you? I do see a lot of youth. And have you seen that there is this kind of increase in, in depression and and having um, a feeling that, that life just isn't worth living? I have seen an increase over the last few years, and I think the pressures of society, the changes that kind of come really quickly, um, the information overload, and even the um, personal and societal pressures of knowing what you need to do, how well you need to do it, and have this plan. And um, when they then struggle with something, they don't know how to kind of recover from it. And it becomes astronomical to them versus they had a bad, you know, semester. And so those kinds of pressures, do they give um, an indication as to how they would want their parents uh, and and teachers to relate with them and deal with them? I think the best thing to do is, you know, to realize, and I'm going to put some responsibility with with parents in a sense, because teachers have so many students, they can watch and see things, but um, it's a, a parent kind of asking the questions at home. How is school? You know, are you having difficulty? Is anything kind of happening? Um, even the questions, which sound silly when um, and teens give me kind of a rolling of the eyes of, what's the drama at school? What's kind of happening? And like, what drama? I'm like, There's always drama. It's it's kids, teenagers. Yes, th- things haven't changed that much from when right. we were teens, right? Yes, right. And and giving them the chance of you know, well, is there anybody? You know, talking about anybody, have you heard anything? Is there anybody you're concerned about? You know, um, and even when their friends come over, knowing who their friends are so that a friend, if they have a concern about another friend, they can call the adult in the house and be like, this is what's happening. And sometimes it does happen that um, families can do that. They can deal with the friends and the other family can deal with your kids. There's just what uh, kind of more of a freedom of saying things where we feel with our own parent, there might be too much judgment or we're going to disappoint them, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. They feel just, you know, well, this person's easier to talk to. And it's more about, I'm not worried about necessarily disappointing them. What comes after you know, it's it's a relationship and it feels good and they're going to talk to me, but I don't have to go to bed at night knowing 
my mom's in the next room and she's upset by something that I've done or, or thought or felt. Right. And, and I, I hear a lot. They don't want to upset their parents. Mm-hmm. Yes. So then all of a sudden they're becoming the parent. I don't want to upset my parent about this. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, it's just the realization that everybody's going to be upset about feelings. They're there. They're normal. It doesn't mean we don't talk about them. Exactly. And I think then uh, parents, uh, families can then uh, be a collaborative team and encourage that other family member. You know, I'm listening to you. I think your parents would really welcome doing that, too. Just give it a try. Absolutely. Just reminding them, you know, your mom, dad, you know, they may be upset about what you're saying. But you have to kind of give them the chance to talk about it and react because we don't know how someone is going to react. Even if we try and make the predictability based on past behaviors, they're surprising. So the thing is just really, uh, even if it feels one-sided, engage in asking questions, just keeping it very, uh, that emotional level, keeping it really moderate so that 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 door is, the teen knows or the child knows the door is always open to approach mom or dad. Absolutely. It's always open. You can talk to me, tell me anything. And it reminds them that when I say tell me anything, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be upset or disappointed. It means we deal with it as a family together. And we make sure that you're okay. And even that phrase sounds really empowering to say, whatever's going on, we're going to deal with this as a family together. Absolutely. And it lets them know they're, they're not alone. Right. Because suicide becomes that active. It's, it's your own thing and you do it. And um, people call it selfish. And then that's selfish. It's protecting in their mind everybody else from something that they're going through. And the bullying has been going on for so long, it seems, and it's not seeming to really get um, any reins on it to pull it in and eradicate it. Um, How can we get more work done in this area? So I I think that starts at a younger age with the realization of um, words, name-calling, and any behavior of what we used to call picking on somebody as normal is not okay. And that emotions, you know, they're unpleasant and they can be painful and to treat everybody kind of how you would want to be treated. Yes. So definitely this is behavior that starts at home at that young age and how we treat our kids and how they're going to pick up on that. Absolutely. It's realizing that even, as adults, we have a responsibility when we're joking and even teasing our own children, how it affects them and listening to their response to it. They feel hurt because we may think that something is, is no big deal, but if they say they're hurt, it's paying attention to that and owning up to the apology. I didn't mean to do that to hurt your feelings. That's not okay. Um, and asking, you know, does that happen anywhere else? Do you see it? you know, why we don't you know, treat people like that and respect each other. Yes. The teasing, we, we seem to think, or there are people who think teasing seems to be just 
it's okay. It's just all in fun. But there's always some undercurrent that has the potential or even beyond potential of causing injury, a psychological injury. Absolutely. We we don't have an awareness, I would say even as a mental health professional at times, of teasing that can seem harmless to one person harms another person. It's because it's their feelings and how they catch that and how it affects them, not the person that's doing it. So it does become the thing if we have to be aware of our behaviors, the things we say and joke about, watching others' reactions in a sense of are they finding it funny where people are like, well, they're laughing with me. Are they laughing at me? And as soon as someone says that hurt or they don't like it, to not do it again. Yes. That, and that's uh, a hard thing to do. It is a hard thing. And that's where, you know, maybe when kids are still really young, do some kind of perhaps role-playing about their being able to say these kinds of things in a strong way, you know, without feelings of aggression, just Mm -hmm. say, I feel hurt. I feel hurt that, you know, that wasn't nice. And most of the time we want to tell our kids, you shouldn't feel a certain way. You should, you know, let it go and remind them. That's then telling somebody um, how they should know what their feelings are and negate somebody for whatever it is that's happening internally. And people shut down them because I'm not supposed to feel certain things where all emotions are valid. They just may not match someone else's. Yes. And we are not all out of one mold. No, we all have different things that bother us, different things that hurt because of words that have been said in the past and how we've taken them. And we have to take that into consideration. Exactly. So there's so many kind of basic things that we can start at a very young age to teach our children to really be strong in themselves and know how to uh, fend off just by saying some simple words of, you know, that hurt, I don't appreciate that. Well, they might not say that so much, but being able to say how they feel if we start that at a very young age. Absolutely. Just saying, that's not okay. I don't like that. Um, and giving them the right to do that, that they have a right to their own feelings and to identify what hurts them emotionally. And it's our responsibility on the other side to accept that, even if we don't agree. So it seems as though, you know, we have some simple tools here to work with, to deal with the situations that involve building a stronger personal space, uh, fending off the teasing and bullying, Yet, there are mental health issues that are actually uh, medical issues, correct, that we need to just be aware of and know when to then definitely be seeking professional help. Absolutely, absolutely. Depression and anxieties also have kind of um, biological components, and those are times that, you know, finding a professional and having somebody kind of do some psychotherapy um, and possibly medications to help kind of stabilize someone's mood can be very helpful. And that's where your physician um, at an appointment can come in really handy for them to know. Um, even family history, does anybody have um, any depression? Even if you feel like, well, somebody did in my family, but I don't think they were diagnosed and had medication. It's like, that's okay. Do you feel 
but someone's mood is down all the time. Yes. And so in your experience, are we still dealing with some kind of stigma around mental health and mental illness? Absolutely. I hear so many people that come in that they're afraid to tell anybody what is actually going on, that they would rather have a physical ailment that someone can understand versus depression. Because we can have 10 people in the room and all 10 of them will describe their depression differently and not see how the other person is a depression because it manifests in a different way. Which is all the more reason we need to see a mental health professional because of your awareness of this spectrum. You know, we cannot just read about it or talk to a friend about it or listen to somebody else talking about it. We need to seek that professional help. Absolutely. Friends and and lifestyle changes and eating right and exercising, those are all helpful things to do. And they're coping skills and mechanisms that we tell everybody absolutely keep doing those. But have somebody that you can talk to um, that can give you kind of that unbiased, non-judgmental ear that sits there and is for you and they are helping you through whatever is happening and giving you different tools. And so it sounds like, well, you've told us, Renee, how at Pacific Medical Centers that there is a comprehensive approach so that a person can feel that they're going to be given as much help as they are needed. They will be kept seeing a professional as long as is needed, depending, you know, it might be frequently or infrequently. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, depending on when an intake is done and what's happening, a mental health professional will determine how often to see them, whether it's weekly or every other week. Is that in, you know, individual? Is that, especially with a child, is that a child and a parent together? Um, what other outside resources may need to be involved in some conversations to find out what's happening. Um, And that can be, you know, sometimes even talking to a school counselor or somebody there, a a coach on a team um, who may have information uh, if the team is willing to, you know, sign releases because everything has to be, you know, released from the team also saying you can talk to other people. Um, And then internally we kind of collaborate with each other of what's happening whenever the child comes in. And so because we are having such a, an increase in suicides and suicide attempts with youth, it's important to get this started at this young age. But there's also, uh, which might not lead to suicide, but depressions and, and mental health disorders, really getting a sense of it early on is really going to help a person live a better, a more vibrant life. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they see the differences after they feel better and not realizing, wow, I didn't realize how sad I was or how, you know, I was missing out on so much. I thought everything, that's just the way it was, was kind of a gray fog. And now there's all these other things out there that I can do and be involved in and makes a huge difference. So critically important to save lives, literally, but even figuratively, just to live life so much better and feeling greater. So let's mention the website again to get more information. It is www.pacmed.org, and you can then click on the behavioral health link, and it'll give you the providers and information about each provider. 
Well, Renee Sherwinski, I just so appreciate your insights. It's been most valuable. I trust all our listeners feel that too, because with the statistics being what they are, we know someone, even if it's not right in our family, we know someone and certainly we can reach out and help. Absolutely. And that's the most important thing. Reach out, ask the questions, and then get some help. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for this important work that you are doing. Thank you very much. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Renee Shawinsky and Sunday Morning Magazine with Kevin Hines. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Click on the on-air tab, then Sunday mornings, and there look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of having an open and honest conversation about things that are going on in our life. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 1069. Have a great morning.